was now being recorded. Hi, and welcome to V2V Podcast. I am Short, and tonight we are talking to Jessica Columbus, who is a survivor of Spring Creek Lodge, which was a WASP facility. Um, hi, Jessica. Hello. Um, so I guess that I'd like to start off with asking you what TTI is and how you would explain TTI. Um, how I would explain TTI to somebody that didn't know would be a for-profit system that would involve sending a troubled teenager, whether it's small things from skipping school and smoking pot like I went through to kids with pretty severe trauma in their past and um, even mental health personality disorders. We were all lumped into one. Um, Our parents were fed a really great marketing tool, a one-size-fits-all. We will send them back fixed. Just send us your money. And that is pretty much the gist of it, and they did no good. So very good marketing ruse on the TTI's part. Very good. Um, So, Jessica, how did you end up in Spring Creek Lodge? Um, I ended up there. I was raised by a single mother. Um, I rarely saw my father. And I was a brat from the time I was very small. I was overindulged. Um, I believe my mom was trying to make up for the fact that she was a single mother in the 80s. Um, I was given into, I knew from a very early age, about four, consciously how far I had to go or what size of a fit I had to throw to get what I wanted. And so I did that naturally because it worked. Sure. Um, So when I got to be a teenager, um, I believe my mother was rightfully worried for my future because I was skipping quite a bit of school. And I was, you know, just kind of living like I was 25 when I was 15. and I think she feared that I would get pregnant, I would be addicted to hard drugs, I wouldn't finish school. Um, and who knows if that would have been the case because I didn't get that chance to live that out. Uh went to the program. But uh, I was also – I'm also part of a family who everybody is an overachiever, everybody's wealthy, everybody does well. And my mom was the black sheep, and then I ended up being the black sheep. So, right. Um, My mom had a lot of acceptance issues with her sister, who we lived right near, and I think that some of that was projected on me, and that is some of why I wound up there, because she wanted me to be as good as my cousin and end up okay, so she was trying to fix me so that I would Mm -hmm. be that way. Because I didn't listen to her, I wouldn't talk to her, I snuck around, I lied to her, I just you know, was not open to my mother. And she wasn't abusive. She was, you know, a wonderful person. Um, I was just a brat. Sure. So that's I mean, how I ended also, up there. <laughs> I guess you were also a teen. I mean, most of us are brats. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly, uh, exactly. Um, I was a different person to my mother than I was to everybody else. Like, my teachers loved me. They would often call my mother like, hey, she's skipping a lot, but boy, when she's here, we love having her. 
And she's got a 95 average, just so you know, even with all the skipping. Like, I was making sure days, just getting no credit. Right. Um, I was bored to death. Like, I just, high school was not my jam. Like, I wanted to be able to work at my own pace and just get the fuck out. I didn't want to be there. Sure. So, um, were you transported to Spring Creek Lodge? No, I was lied to. Oh, well. I was. Yeah, I, I was on my way to a Smashing Pumpkins concert, and uh, I was getting ready in my room, oh. and my mom's friend came over, which I didn't find weird, um, but she brought her big giant son with her, and I was like, that's weird. That kid never leaves his room. So she had me come downstairs, and I guess she had sent stuff for me weeks before, um, and she was like, well, you're not going with your friends. You're going to go to this special school. It's a boarding school, and you're going to be able to work at your own pace with schoolwork and get your credits back and, you know, get your shit together. And I was like, well, no, not going to that. I'm not, no. But I was, you know, not given a choice. Um, right. The woman that came over also, her husband was with her as well. I could just tell by the way my mom was talking and looking at me like this was different. This was weird. I was caught off guard. And so I listened. I I got in the car. I didn't know where I was going. Had no idea what state, what country, anything. And yeah, I was just lied to. Now looking back, I'm like, oh God, I should have ran away. You know? Yes. I, I did. I trusted my mom. I had no idea that I would be sent to somewhere like I was sent. Yeah. Um, I I can and I had been to boarding schools to visit because that was something that my dad had suggested. Like, hey, just she's a smart kid, just get her in a boarding school. So you know, I had interviewed and been accepted to some pretty prestigious schools like Cranbrook in Michigan, and I'd been up to Wisconsin to a couple schools as well just to check them out. Um, I knew I would get in trouble at one of those, and I knew I'd break all the rules and waste my parents' money, so I never pursued it. And so I never thought, you know, that was my experience with boarding school. I thought kind of I knew what I was getting into when I got in the car. And I knew I had to just by the look in her eyes. I knew it was not a discussion. So So the one time I listened, (laughs) look what happened. And how old were you when this happened? I I had just turned 16 two months prior. Okay. So you get to Spring Creek Lodge and? Uh, I got there in the middle of the night, uh, probably about three in the morning. So there's no lights there. You can't see anything. So this place is in like in the middle of nowhere in Montana, right? It's way like in Deliverance Town. Right. Super. Really, oh, God. Like they didn't have a Ford or a Dodge. It was like all these different parts from the scrapyards melded together is what these people drove. It was crazy. It was in the middle of nowhere. Um, it was a way up a mountain uh, pass, and, yeah, there was no lights. I didn't even know, like, what the building looked like on the outside. I was exhausted. So I got there at about 3 in the morning. Yeah. And then at 6, it was, like, wake-up time for, like, the group. And I woke up and was in this cabin in the middle of nowhere okay it's pretty nuts and um i still had makeup on you know smeared makeup from the day before uh, and i just remember all the girls staring at me and screaming like don't wash your face 
you'll never get to wear makeup again. Don't wash your face. And I thought they were crazy. And so <laughs> I took a shower. And I, my mom had let me pack a bag. So, of course, it's, like, full of makeup and a blow dryer and, like, cigarettes, right? So right. I get there. And I take a shower. And I'm like, I see this young girl blow drying her hair. And she looked kind of our age-ish. And so I'm like, oh, where do I plug my blow dryer in? And they snatch everything from me. They're like, you don't. And I was like, well, she is. And it turns out she is a staff member. Okay. No blow dryer. (laughs) And I knew something was up when I couldn't have my makeup and blow dryer. I was like, oh, hell no. What is this? Yeah. Little did I know. Little did I know. That was the least of my worries. So, um, can you explain to me sort of like, I guess I, I, I'd probably like to ask you about like when you first experienced like some type of trauma in that first day or like what, you know, I mean, I mean, that's traumatic enough, but clearly. Um, no, I can talk about it. Um, I, you know, after I woke up and couldn't do my hair, I was strip searched, which I thought was weird. Um, it wasn't, okay. it was weird to me then, and I was uncomfortable with it then. But now it is so much creepier to me as an adult, also with a teenage daughter. Yeah. Um, that's not, I, I, I can kind of see in a situation like that, you do have to protect, you know, that child that's in your care and the others that that are in your care, what have you, but finding out as an adult, none of these people, you know, had any kind of credentials of any sort, any training. Half of them didn't even graduate high school. Like, just, you know, just any old person off the street strip searching your child is weird. Or strip searching you as a teenager. So it was weird then, but it was super weird. It's more gross to me now as an adult. Um, So that was my first experience, you know, the first 20 minutes I was there, awake. And then they assigned me a buddy and I love, I still have my my buddy friend, she's on my Facebook. Um, I love her. But she was assigned to me. She was a level three and I you know, everybody did their thing. They got ready. Everybody lined up and it just, I felt like I was in a cult immediately. When I got yeah. there and, you know, saw everybody kind of wearing the white, t- it's kind of the same thing, lining up, being very robotic. And I, it just baffled me. I'm like, why is nobody going crazy in here? Why? Like, there's so many more of us than there are of them. Immediately that crossed my mind. Like, what's going on? Why? Yeah. Why is this happening? And I didn't really understand where I was. And then, you know, we go through the day, like we're walking to the hungry horse where we ate. You couldn't look at the boys. You had to wait till the other family came out. I, and then we got in there and we're eating. And I couldn't have condiments or juice because I was a level one. And then uh, just all the the Zig Ziglar tapes blaring in your ear in this cafeteria thing. I was like, what Can in you, the hell? What is a Zig Ziglar tape? Okay, Zig Ziglar, I think he's, like, some kind of motivational speaker. Oh, my gosh. He's an author. I mean, I'm sure some of these philosophies could be useful to people somewhere in the world, but 
the way I was exposed to them in this crazy cult thing that I got sent to uh, and being forced to listen to that and write reports on it. We had to listen and take notes and eat and not talk to anybody um, all in 30 minutes because you were going to be tested on this later. Um, it was very strange. And then, you know, we go, go through the little school work rooms and then we have group and that was real weird for me. I had been, my mom had taken me to like a counselor because she thought I was depressed or crazy. You know, everybody was sure. getting into that troubled teen shit in the mid and early 90s. Um, yeah. So we get to group and I'm like waiting for a therapist to show up, right? In this little shithole cabin with 20 mm. other girls. And some staff member with no tooth in the front and, you know, is from Thompson Falls, Montana. Yeah. With no high school education. Uh, so I'm, like, waiting for, like, the professional to roll in. That never happens. And these girls are, you know, somebody has to talk. You have to talk in group. So, you know, these girls are talking about things that are extremely traumatic, like, being raped, being molested, um, being abused, you know, just all these, you know, god-awful things. And they're reliving that, they're sharing about that, and then it's feedback time, and then all the other girls are just giving them what I call shotgun feedback. It's a very common program term, and that's where you're just basically berating the person who's sharing the traumatic event in their life in some way crazy attempt to work through it so they can get home because that's the goal. Um, So that was pretty jarring for me. Um, So, of course, that made me immediately think, well, I'm never going to talk about anything in here. I'm just going to figure this game out and play it and get up out. And I tried that. And then, you know, they let you kind of slide through. I didn't cause any trouble. I was never a behavioral issue anywhere I was outside of the program, in the program, I just yeah. put my head down. You know, I was like, well, I'm just going to go with the flow, do this thing, and get out. But that only works for a little bit because then they start in on you, and they're like, well, you're not sharing. You're not working on your issues. And I'm like, I don't have issues. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any issues. I was mm-hmm. a brat. My issue of skipping school and getting high, let's talk about it. I don't know. What do you, what do you want? So, you know, um, especially after I'd seen how they treated the girls that really had some stuff going on and really needed some help, and it wasn't that place that they needed. Yeah. So that was extremely weird for me. Um, I just, I really overall felt like I was in a cult. It was very, very odd to me what was going on, the isolation, you know, I'm pretty perceptive, and I was even back then, and I had an interest in psychology growing all growing up. Um, yeah. So I kind of kind of knew what they were doing, um, and I figured I could tell my mom immediately, like, okay, this place is crazy town. You need to take me home. But what I didn't realize was they had gotten to her, and they had gotten to her really good. Right. So there was no getting out for me. Like, I had to, I feel like I had to make up issues in this, you know, elaborate 
plan in my head to make up stuff so that I can look like I'm working through it and be very precise on my delivery. And it was just a big, giant head game. And they, you know, they get in there. No matter what you do to resist, like, eventually after X amount of months, weeks, or whatever your breaking point is, you just give up and you somewhat succumb, I think. You become programmed because you really think yeah. there's no getting out. And you've been isolated for so long that all that becomes normalized. Yeah. Very weird. Very strange. Um, can I mm-hmm. ask you, like, about staff dynamic and sort of powers between staff? Oh. Was there? I mean, like, because you said that you you said that you like psychology, and I, I kind of feel like I, I can very much relate to this when I was um, in, in program. And, and one of the things that I did for sure was observe sort of like staff dynamics and mm, who, yeah, yeah. who sort of like was – because when you sort of realize it's a cult, you kind of realize that clearly there are other people lower than the other people and there are other people oh, lower yeah. than them. Do you know what I mean? A hierarchy. There's definitely a yeah. system in place. And it's – it's a very well thought out system. These people were yeah. manipulative geniuses. I mean, they mm. I've got to give them that. They used it for evil, but they sure did have some kind of thing down because it worked on so many parents and so many kids. You know, they got it, they got what they wanted out of everyone. And, and also it ran. I mean, like you said, there's like when when you show up and you kind of like you see that you know kids are lining up in this way and you're just like you're thinking well wait your kids yeah. why are you doing this what you know what okay so there's a control thing going on and you know that that's that's your next thought is okay well well there's something going on and and usually you know that fear is involved in that oh immediately so, it was a, an invisible control yeah it was there. It wasn't tangible. You know, they weren't beating the girls to line up in the morning because nobody was even trying to look sideways. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Cheap. Yeah. It was. A and then you start control. and you start doing it, and it's so strange. You oh, know what yeah, I mean? I it's just like immediately, like yeah, yeah. It's a survival situation. Like, yeah. I know consciously this is crazy, but. Uh, what else am I going to do? I don't even really know where I'm at. Like, I don't know how to get out. Yeah. And yeah. and if we're all not revolting together, I'm not doing it by myself. Mm-mm. Can I ask you a little bit about seminars? How often they happen? Yes. What involved? What's going on there? What, you know? Um, just complete berserk psychoticness is what I could say. That's like the blanket description. Th- those things oh. were nuts at. Okay. So we're talking about kids, like, leaving the program and going to somewhere else to do these? No. No. No, no, no. Um, Well, and I don't know how they work at the other facilities, but at my particular facility, we had um, what we called CONFO, which was the confiscation room, which is if your parents sent you something like some Bath and Body Works lotion that you couldn't have. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. all 
every kid had like a cubby and all the stuff that you came with. You couldn't have my blow dryer. Kicked it down there for a year. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. that's where they put stuff. But and that was like the back end of the building. It was a big giant metal building. Um, and that was like one half of it, and the other half was just this big room with like school type office carpeting in it and four mm. walls. And that's where yeah. our seminars were held. Okay. Um, it was down the mountain a little bit, but it was still on our campus. And, and how often uh, did these happen, and how many people had, were involved? You had there. You had to be able to basically qualify to go in the seminar. You couldn't go to the first. You you went to the first seminar discovery like whenever it came around, which was you know every couple months is what I'm thinking. It came around like okay. maybe every six weeks, probably to accommodate the kids leveling up because everybody goes to discovery. If you get there the day before, okay, and discovery's the next day. You're going, but maybe you got there right the day after it ended last time, so maybe you might be a level two already or so, and mm. you go to discovery, or you you know you may have been a couple times and you never got through it because you have to get through the first one to go on to the next one. Right. So the first one is discovery, and that's the introduction into the seminars, and you have to pass it in order, I believe, to get to level three, and you have to be a level three to go to the next seminar focus, and we'll get into that later. Mm. But, yeah, Mm. discovery, um, it's the first little seminar, and there's – there's one specific process, emotional, emotionally guided process, I guess you would call it, that they do that's their signature move, so to speak, for that seminar, and it's the towel process. Where Okay. They These seminars are focused on very – they guide you on very lows and then very climactic, theatric highs, you know, just the vibe in the building and, you know, how yeah. – facilitator is acting and you know are you sort of like all sat in a room or are you like like okay in a room and we are isolated from all the other kids on the facility that are not going through that particular seminar at the moment okay so like we'd be there eight to twelve hours a day sometimes 16 okay and when we go back, back to the on, towel, like, sorry, yeah, oh, sorry, no, the, 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 no, 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 go ahead, no, sorry, uh, I'm sorry. So, yeah, so one of the processes and discoveries with the towel, and it's towards the end part of the middle, it's like the end of the second day, because they're three days long, the mm. end of the second day, and it's where you're supposed to roll up this towel, and they have it, the room quiet, they have everybody, um, in kind of in the child's pose of yoga, except for your hands aren't in front of you. You're on your knees, you're pulled up in a ball, and your face is facing the ground. And okay. then the staff members come around and place these rolled up towels in front of your head, and the facilitators guiding you through this process of um, conjuring up your anger and your fears and your hurt and all that kind of thing. And you eventually are instructed to take this towel and start beating the ground with it. And that is supposed to release your demons, I guess. I Okay. I was just making shit up to cry about. I didn't know. And then this, this, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what the hell was going on. And right. so this, 
the, the junior staff people will staff these seminars, the higher levels, people who have been through it. And they'll come in and yeah. they'll start screaming stuff at you. If they think they know you a little bit, like, say I was overweight and they knew I was depressed about being overweight. Like, they would start screaming that stuff at me. Like, are you mad that people think you're fat? Or, you know, they would just try to really work you up and get your adrenaline going and just get you all kinds of crazy. And you're right. just supposed to beat the ground with this towel and get everything out and then the facilitator kind of guides you back down and calms you down and and then you're supposed to tell yourself you love yourself and things you like about yourself and just kind of self-affirmation type stuff and that's when you're supposed to find your magical child <laughs> and yeah it's great okay and then the next day is comprised of thinking about those self-affirming ideas and coming up with your I am statement. And you're supposed to come up with it, and it's like some big celebration, like I am a loving, honest, you know, pure, beautiful child or something. I mean, basically, you're supposed to say the exact opposite of what you thought you were, like right. I'm a dirty bitch whore, right, <laughs> you right, know, right, or right. Whatever, right. whatever, or whatever you're labeled as, your parents. Right. It's, yeah, so that's discovery. So, Jessica, can I ask you another question? Um, like, let's say during this towel thing, this towel shenanigans thing, um, where they're doing their witchcraft voodoo woo peddling. Um, yes. That, exactly. uh, <laughs> that uh, you needed to use the restroom or something. Can, can you just get up and use no. the restroom? No, 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 no. Everything's, everything is about the theatrics and the drama of it. They will not let you use the restroom. They barely feed you or hydrate you during the seminars because, I mean, if you look back to, like, how cults do their thing and how they do, yeah. their, you know, their jam, like, you isolate people and then you deprive them of even basic things and right. you can get in their head easier because if you right. break down the person at all their five senses and you attack mm -hmm. those, and neglect those, then it's easier to me mentally break them down. Well, yeah, you're more malleable so there'd be no now. Going, yeah, there'd be no going to the bathroom. Like, they would prefer you wet yourself because then they could turn that into some kind of way to zone in on you. And they would make the fact that you peed your pants in a seminar about your dad doesn't love you. You know? Okay, you. okay, right, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the next one. So now you've made it to level three. Hey, congratulations, you're level three. Yep. And, that, and in guess the next step what? The seminar people are coming around. So now it's time yep. for level four. So yep. now what? You have to go to focus in order to be voted up to junior staff, which means you get to shave your legs and wear makeup and just not be a lower level. And you get to talk to your parents more. Your parents can come visit you. You have more privileges. So you're basically used at level four as free labor because you work within the program. You staff right. families of lower levels and things. But you get to wear makeup, so it's okay, right? Okay. Um, yeah. Also, so um, Jessica, just quickly, can I just ask you, like, your unit life, how many staff were with you, like, we had, a had time. twenty. We had an average of uh, seventeen to twenty girls per unit okay. per family. 
Um, and there was always one staff and one, one junior. Yep, one okay. paid staff over the age of 18 and then one junior staff. But only one junior staff. But, like, let's say everyone gets to, like, level four and they do their focus. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't there be, like, a bunch of junior staff? Um, there would be – There's there are extra junior staff. So, okay. You know, and you rotate out, like – Okay, yeah. Who's working shifts, right? Okay. Right. And if you're not working shifts, then you're – because you're not doing school and things like that when you're working a shift. Right. You are working a shift. You're right. You're handing out consequences. You're supposed to be Hawkeye. You know, you are not doing school. So you would basically work, like, one week, you'd do three or four days. It's like three or four days on, three or four days off. I can't remember exactly, right. but it's half and half. Okay. Um, so okay. on the days you're not working in a family, you're doing school. So they okay. have teams of junior staff, like team one and team two. Like, team right. one works this week with the kids, and team two does school, and then they switch, kind of do. Oh, like how, how well organized it all is. Okay, hey so, hey, now. So hey we now. get to... <laughs> So we get to focus. So what's going on in focus? Um, focus is where besides like longing to. Sorry, sorry. Besides like wanting to. Yeah. You just want to pass. You can get to junior staff. Um, So what are you doing? You're um, you're doing. It's the same. It's the same vibe in every seminar to where it's a it's a test. You're being pushed. You're being challenged. Um, but it's crazy. Like, it's to, it's just to a psychotic level that is insane. Um, in focus, they try to dig deeper at you. Discovery is okay. supposed to be the easy one. But they've got to do it a little. They have to do it in tiers of somewhat, you know, intensity, so to speak. Yeah. Because yeah. They, they've got to mold you, right? They can't scare you too bad in the first Yeah. One. They've got to just scare you enough but make you want more kind of a deal. Okay. So in focus, you're like, woo, you're ready to go. You've kind of bought into the program a little bit, or at least you're faking it real good. Yeah. Because, you know, hey, I get juice at my meals now because I'm a level two or three instead of water. If you're level three, you get a phone call once a month. You know, you're just – you kind of got also- to other people. Also, I want to say that, like, everyone around you, when you start getting your level, starts talking like you're doing better. And it, it it's almost like you kind of buy into that, too, because everyone else is talking program and lingo. And you know what I mean? Well, and you're isolated. You're completely yeah. isolated. You, you, yeah. I mean, you are completely isolated. And if you want to get through this thing and not be in The Hobbit, which is the isolation room, and yeah. getting beat up, then that's what you do. You, right. You fake it till you make it. That is what you do. Yeah. And you probably start, you know, I started to probably believe a little bit of it. Not so much, you know, I always do sure. staunchly, this is bad, this is crazy. But I was trying to make it as pleasant as possible for myself. Of course. Well, I was Of there. course. Um, and I did make some very dear friends. I'm so glad I have that out of it. Um, but focus is where they dig a little deeper at you and they get a little more intense. Their, their famous little process is called the lifeboat. And you're supposed to get in these circles, like one circle and then another circle, 
outside and it's all the kids in the seminar that are going through it and you're supposed to be yeah. facing each other and call, you know, saying whether the person's a giver or a taker. And, you know, they're my friends. So I'm like, give her, give her, give her, give her. You know, I'm just trying to get yeah. through this shit with my friends, right? Um, but the staff in there, they're trying to really get at you like, no, they're a taker. Like, they just, anything you do, it's not right. That's just the bottom right. line of every seminar. Any choice you make off the top of your head or, you know, that's your knee-jerk reaction, it's wrong. Nothing right. is ever right. You're never saying the right thing. You're never talking about the right issue. You're never being real. Like, it's just never right. And that's yeah. just part of their mind mind control stuff. Um, and so after that give-or-take deal, the – facilitator goes into another big dramatic thing, kind of like the towel process where they're emotionally guiding you with, you know, slowly building up. You're supposed to be in this lifeboat. Imagine you're there with all your friends or this room is a lifeboat. It's wonderful and it's very calm how they start it. and it's, They get you all relaxed and you're laying down or something and your eyes are closed, I believe, and you're supposed to be, you know, kind of meditating through this process with them. Sure. Um, and then it's all of a sudden, you know, there's big bangs on the walls and there's lightning through the radio. You know, they have soundtracks to all this shit. And, <laughs> yeah, to every seminar. It's, it's wild. I can't I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. No, it is funny. It, it really is. Like, just so like, comes on. So, wait, so... So integrated into these sort of tapes that they've pre-like recorded for these group sessions uh-huh. are like songs like Desperado. Yes, and, Desperado. And like, like, uh, You Are the Wind Beneath My Wings. Yes, and, and all kinds, like mainstream songs you are going to hear for the rest of your life on the radio or in a TV like, commercial. While you're sort of doing these kooky, like, ritual sort of type things. And, 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 and are these facilitators who are doing these seminars, are these people, like, on regular campus during this, during no. the other three? So these no. guys are sort of, like, called in as they're, the specialists. Exactly. Right? They're, they're right. Okay. In, and they're not, yeah, and they're, these people also have no training, no certification, no nothing to be working with children, let alone working with children doing psychological work. Right. They're just These some, like, kooky people. They're yeah. just charismatic, like like Joel Osteen or, you know, I mean, yeah. he may have a, a preacher. At least he has a damn theology degree, right? I hope. Right. But right. weirdo people like that, just very charismatic. like Kind of like spiritual type of people who would probably like set up websites and like we do we do talks for like 500 bucks and stuff like that. And yeah, so, like seventy nine right. ninety five, and all your right. dreams will come true. Like whatever. Right. Okay. It's okay. Okay. Just, yeah, these are just fraudulent. So, they're just charismatic people. So I'm sorry to always interrupt, but like, um, so you're in the lifeboat. Yes. And you're doing this lifeboat storm. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, the storm happens, and that's when shit goes left, right? So it's going to crash. You know, 
you you only one person can live type of a deal and yeah. then they get you back up in those circles and you have to go from side to side, you know, kind of rotating within themselves circles. Um, okay. So you can get to the next person and it's like live or die. And so people are either telling you like they choose that you live or they choose that you die. Okay. And you're in turn also choosing, you know, you're telling them and you're telling these people to their face. Yeah. Like, you die because you can only you only have one live vote. That's the thing. Only oh, one. Oh fuck's not, sake! Yeah, not for you and one. It's one. So if you choose and, yourself, that's wrong. Yeah. But okay. if you choose someone else, then you get shit on for not choosing yourself. Like I said, no answers right in these things. Okay. It's okay. That's crazy. Okay. Town. <laughs> it's just crazy. And yeah, is so, this, so telling is a this, girl, like, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, please, go. So for me, what was traumatic about that, what I what I really hated about that was, so I've been in this family unit with these girls, right? So there's maybe like four or five of us out of a family going at the same time. I've heard right. all their trauma. I know, like, their dad raped them or they yep. were a prostitute or, you know, their mom beat them, all this horrible, horrible stuff. And, like, I only got one vote, right? So I can't tell all of them they're going to live. So I'm looking at my my friend, my dear friend, in the face telling her to die when life has basically told her to die previous to the program because she's suffered some horrific trauma, right? That that drives me nuts to this day. That bothers me to this day. It was very traumatic for me because I'm a very empathetic person, and I love my friends, and I love people, and I love everybody. So being forced to do something that is so out of my character and something I never would have done in my life ever, even to this day, being forced to do that bothers me big time. Because if I I didn't do it, I didn't go home. So I feel, you know, I know everybody's like, oh, we forgive you as a program. You know, we all did it. But to me, it's like. Why, I'm pissed that I was put in a position to where I had to be something I wasn't and hurt somebody else in that. I would have, I, w- I would have never done that. As bratty as I was on the outside, like that's fucked up. And it makes do, me feel bad. It makes me feel selfish. Do these live and die choices determine whether or not you pass focus? No, no. Okay. Um, it, basically, overall, it's your participation. It's the mood okay. of the facilitator. Um, okay. They could be having a bad day. They've they've come into town and said nobody passes the seminar. Right. And you got to right. wait the six to eight weeks till they come back. So and I think when they did that, it was just like maybe enrollment was low, and so they needed parents' money more. So like, ah, don't sure. let anybody move up. We need to kind of stall this train real quick because we need more money coming in. I think that's and how many. How many times did you have to do discovery, and how many times did you have to do I did. I passed everyone the first time. I was very lucky. Okay. I passed everyone the first time. Like okay. I said, I was very perceptive, and I knew just what I needed to do and when to get through and not cause too much, you know, turbulence for myself, but still but get there, through. But there were other kids who had to repeat over and over oh, again goodness, in my yes. life. Oh, over and over and over again. And, you know, now looking back at it, I'm like, those were the badasses. Those were the hard ones yeah. that were like, no, I'm not buying it. <clears throat> nope. Yeah. I'll sit here and waste my parents' money all day long. Absolutely. But those were also the kids that got the shit kicked out of them daily by staff and were 
of course. You know, abused six ways from did, Sunday. So. Did you ever go to The Hobbit? No. No, I did not. Like, I was, I had, my program experience was extremely traumatic for me, but compared to 90% of the other people around me, I had it real easy because I just didn't make waves, showed up when I needed to, like, in sure. my theatrics of working through my issues or whatever. I just did what I needed to do to sure, get sure. out. And I um, saw that acting out and, you know, physically resisting or anything like that, it it never worked out for the person doing it, ever. Would you, and would I saw you, mind it, would you mind explaining what The Hobbit is for everyone? Yeah, listening? that's fine. Um, the Hobbit, um, our isolation room, and it's, it's different in every program, but it's always horrible. I guarantee that. Yeah. Ours was, um, like old, Fence panels, maybe, like old weather. It was an eight by eight box, wooden box with no insulation, um, like little house on the prairie style building, but it was only eight by eight feet. And it was directly across the walkway from where the, um, cafeteria cabin was. So you walked yeah. by it three times a day. Um, and if you were put in there, you had to wear a maroon sweatsuit, whether it was summer or winter, and that is all you got. You got no socks. You got, like, jail sandals. And they fed you all-brand cereal for three meals a day, and they only let you use the restroom one time a day within a 24-hour period. Okay. And um, the staff used those big, giant, like, 1980s, like, metal walkie-talkies, like Zach Moore cell phone-style huge ones. Um, yeah, and we had, we had a couple pretty big dudes on staff, and they were specifically on staff at that program to deal with kids who were acting out physically or in The Hobbit. Like, they were just there to right. restrain and beat kids up. And I can right. distinctly remember a number of times um, walking up to breakfast and say a kid, I mean, and there there were some kids in there that, that did go nuts. Like they would poop and throw it at the staff that was in there, smeared on the walls. Cause these kids were being locked. They didn't, that's, you can't do that. You of can't course. lock them up like animals. So I probably would have gone pretty nuts if I was in there too. Um, yeah. but if the kid did anything they weren't supposed to do, which was any, do anything. Um, I've, I've definitely heard kids getting physically assaulted severely by these men and the kids that were put in there is usually and the boys they would make the boys in the program lose a lot of weight and then they'd make the girls really really fat so they wanted the boys to be skinny and weak so that they couldn't overpower the staff of course yeah and then they wanted the girls to get really really overweight so that they were disgusting feeling and when you're insecure exactly if you don't have any self-esteem then you're easier to mentally, you know, mold. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they probably just didn't want you to go home and have any fun. So right. um, the boys that were usually in the Hobbit were real skinny, you know, just wiry boys. And the staff, I remember distinctly one staff, he had to have been 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and at least 250 pounds, but not an ounce of fat on him. Just a big, like, corn-fed, straight out of Kansas 
style guy. Right. Um, routinely, he would just melee these boys. It, and it was usually right. a boy that was in The Hobbit. Not so much girls went there. Not so okay. much. And if they did, they just, you know, they were quietly resisting, if you will. Sure. Not not too many girls went physically out of control there. The boys yeah. did quite often, though. Okay. Um, I, I guess, I mean, I guess I'd like to sort of like, I, I know there's another few parts to the seminars, but I, I think mm-hmm. that we should probably, Probably talk. We should probably talk about what's going on today, you know, okay. um, and sort of talk about how when this place got shut down for a girl dying. Well, a girl died there, and then there was yeah, a lawsuit. That's what I found out. Mm-hmm. And so it got shut down, and then um, like. A lot of the people working there sort of went on to form their own programs around there, too. And then someone else involved in administration also has another program called Old West Academy, which is still active and apparently enrolls 70-year-old boys. Yeah. Uh, Or, like, can can take 7-year-old children as, as young as 7. So, what can um, a seven-year-old do to be yeah. sent away? I don't get it. Makes no sense to me at all. Um, no. But kids for cash, right? I mean, that's exactly. kind of the game of it. I mean, These parents all of would us... be better off giving their children up for adoption and saving themselves a lot of money and the kid Absolutely. not being damaged. Absolutely. I mean, all of us in this program who went to programs who were kind of awake to what happened to us and not sort of, you know, in Kool-Aid land. Uh, and that's, mm-hmm. I would say it's a decent amount of us are awake. Um, we yeah. all kind of, we all kind of know that, um, that we were kind of used in this huge money-making scheme. Oh, yeah. And we were sort of, we were sort of a part of something that wasn't really about anything other than making money. And Exactly. Well, and it gave an outlet for some pretty sadistic people. So I feel like there was that's a little true. bit of a niche yeah. there as well. For sure. For sure. It definitely caters to that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what do you think teens, uh, troubled teens, what do you think should be done with troubled teens? Like, I mean, aren't teens trouble anyway? And, you know... I'm going to let you talk, you know? what? Right. What is you- Yeah. You know, um, I actually have a teenager right now that's about to be 16, and she's nothing like I was back then, so I'm lucky. But I, I personally, as a parent, um, don't have a troubled teen, but she's got a lot of friends, and she's got a lot of friends that are in a lot of different socioeconomic situations, um, family situations. Um, sure. she has friends that, you know, at this point going into the 10th grade, don't even go to school anymore. And there are no parents making them go to school, whereas she is in honors classes and going to get a full scholarship. Um, yeah. That's so she awesome. relates to, and I, she was like me. I, I had friends of all different group, whatever. 
but I make it a point to get to know my child and her friends. And um, I try to personally make myself a, you know, a source of support, like all of them know. If they need something, they can come to her or to me, and we will take care of it with genuinely that child's best interest Yeah. at heart. Um, I've made it a point with my child as a parent to always be very honest with her, um, very open with her about things like drugs and sex and things like that. I just, I took the demonization out of everything, and lo and behold, she doesn't lie, steal, or do drugs because I didn't make her feel like she wasn't human. You know, just be real with them. Hey, we know all this stuff's out there. We know at this time in your life you're going to be wanting to do that and interested in doing that. Please come to me if you find that that's something you want to do. We'll talk about it. You won't be in trouble. And I've had a lot of success with that. All of my daughter's friends, other than a few of them, they regularly smoke weed and 15 years old, and I know who they are, and I don't tell her she can't hang out with them because I know she's not doing it because I was able to educate her, like, hey, it'll be there when you're 18 or 21 and you want it. Go right ahead, girl, but your mind's yeah. still developing right now, and um, it's just not a good idea, and guess what? If you get caught with it, a lot of stuff goes wrong, you know, and she sees that. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, you know, it's just not my jam. I know I'm not worried about it because it'll be there later if I want it, and I'm not going to be in trouble for it. Yeah. So that's that's been helpful. Now, you know, I do have it easy. She's a great kid. She's naturally very easy to deal with. But for kids, you know, for me, I don't think I would have been like I was had I not felt compared to Little Miss Perfect's cousin that I had my entire life. And I wanted to do teenage things that were very natural, like very natural to go through, but they were all demonized. So my trouble started when the sneaking and the lying. That's when you're putting yourself at risk for trouble. That's, you know, I skipped one class. I got away with it. You know, I'm going to keep doing it. And now I've skipped a week, and now I'm too far deep. I just can't go back. And I can't talk to my mom about it because I'll be in trouble and – you know, she'll hate me and I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. So you just, it snowballs. And when you're so young like that, you've got to be able to make mistakes and be able to come to a parent, a guardian, a trusted adult that's going to help you through it and guide you better. Because otherwise it snowballs and then you're a troubled teen, quote unquote. Yeah, I think that was a big theme of my my sort of teenhood was, was the fear of, the sort of being yelled at and being sort of like punished and that created an environment where I couldn't talk to my parents. Feeling bad, feeling like I was yeah. bad. Like knowing, it was so weird, it was like a Jekyll and Hyde. Like I knew I wasn't a bad person. Yeah. But I felt like if I was myself, like that wasn't accepted. That was bad. That yeah. was not okay yeah. my family. Period. Yeah. I, I can feel it now, too. Like, when I think about it, I can feel that feeling, you know? It's yep. so... Oh, yeah. yeah. So much still there. And yeah. I really repressed a lot in the last couple of years. Stuff is kind of... I've had aha moments. Like, I always thought it was bad. I never was pro-programmed. But, like, the past couple of years, it's been, like, 
God, is this why I'm like I am? Because everything yeah. is just starting to click, 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 click. Yeah. And it's just like mind blowing. Like Yeah. Like I I have a ton of anxiety for no reason. And now mm. I'm like, oh now I know why. Like I'm always in survival mode. I always feel like someone I'm like ready to fight someone to the fucking death at any second of the day. Yeah. So I'm wound up like a 10-day clock all the time. And it's not always a right. bad thing. Like, I'm always high energy anyways. But, you know, I can't I can't ride with my friends somewhere to a concert or to, you know, anything. Like, I have to have my own car. Because if I get somewhere yeah. and I don't have control of when I can leave, I am not doing it. Right. I can't do right. it. I freak yeah, out. Yeah, I freak yeah, yeah. the fuck out. Um, yeah. I don't have a regular job. I can't have a regular job. Um, I have my own business, which is great. I just go and clean empty rental properties before new tenants move in, which is fabulous because I do it on my own schedule. I don't deal with any other human beings, and yeah. I I come and go as I please. And I get to go clean and kind of rage clean, kind of get out my nervous energy yeah. um, in that way and get paid for it. But that – I have I have to be in control of every single aspect that will affect me directly. Otherwise, I am very uncomfortable, and I will sure. find a way to get out of that situation immediately. Sure, I, I'm I I can definitely empathize with that. The being trapped, I always feel like I'm going to be trapped. <sighs> yeah, 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 totally. Um, yes, <laughs> so all the time, Jessica, I. I at some point would like to revisit the seminars thing and finish this up because I think there's three more, right? Yeah, there's discovery focus, accountability, and then I believe keys, and then it goes into the parent-child seminars when you do those together right at the end of your right. lovely journey of the program. Oh, how fabulous. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's in Utah. Uh, hey. You get to hey. Hey, there's nothing oh, yeah. like a party in Utah, man. Oh, my um, God, fuck that I'll never go there. <laughs> I think that we should probably do that on a different interview and end this for year. Sure. Um, I really thank you so much for coming on and, you know, being a survivor and for wanting to talk about it, you know? I mean, yeah, I think I definitely. Just, I'll talk to anyone that'll listen. Most of, you know, I'm glad there's people choosing to listen to this because nobody in my life really kind of gets it. They just think it's so yeah. weird. They're like, oh, God. But they're uncomfortable. They don't want to talk about it because it's too much. Of course. And it's 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 a huge topic that sort of like, like it, I feel like it snowballed for society a bit, too, at some point, And it became too much. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They just want to pretend it doesn't exist. Or, they, it's, or just it's like. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I couldn't believe that. That was one of my very first thoughts while I was there. Um yeah. I I really at one point I thought I had died. I was like, Am I dead? Yeah. Am I in hell? I really yeah. believe that at a certain juncture yeah. in my program in the beginning. I went I through thought, that too. That yeah. Um, I thought, How is it nineteen ninety eight and I am a American citizen in America? What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yeah. What is going on? I could not. I didn't. I just felt like I was in the twilight zone. Yeah, it's and it's nutty. still going on, which is crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy. 
there's no excuse for it. Our parents no. don't have the internet to research, and the parents today do. So shame on 100% of them. Period. Absolutely. So I'm going to end it there, and I just want to remind everyone um, listening at home to you know click and subs- click like and subscribe to this video. Um, we really appreciate you listening, and uh, this is Shorts with BTV Podcast. Bye. Bye.